Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is 20 Questions on Deadline, and I'm Antonia Blythe, Senior Awards Editor. This week's guest is Cynthia Nixon. As fans of Sex and the City will well know, the HBO series, and just like that, follows up the original show. And Nixon plays Miranda Hobbs, a no-nonsense lawyer who was married to Steve and has a son, Brady. In 2004, she won an Emmy for the role. When season two of And Just Like That kicks off, Steve and Miranda are still trying to get divorced, and they're awkwardly half-living together, while Miranda also spends time with her partner, Che played by Sarah Ramirez. Nixon also stars as Ada Brooke in HBO's period drama, The Gilded Age, which returns this fall. All right, Cynthia Nixon, welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you, it's so nice to be here. I am so excited to do this interview because I am one of those incredibly extreme weird fans of Sex and the City who so appreciates and just like that. Um, I'm so happy. I am lucky enough to have seen seven episodes of season two, which I will not spoil for the listeners. But I have to tell you, uh, one of the, the main things that's really struck me about watching and just like that is that I think historically there's been such a narrative of women in their 50s. It's like they stopped reinventing themselves. They stopped wondering about identity. They, they just kind of stop in Hollywood narrative Mm -hmm. and this show really talks about the idea that asking yourself what you really want doesn't ever stop it never ends you know we don't settle down I hate that term you know it's it's a progressive journey and I really love that about this show so specifically Miranda who you have been with since 1998 I feel has really exemplified or really 1990 for for me I've been with her since 1997 because that's actually when we did the pilot but of course yes absolutely how has it been just being with Miranda through this entire I mean that's a big question but it's been a long journey well, I guess at first I'd love to, to address the thing you said first, which I totally agree with. You know, back in whenever it was, I guess it was the Middle Ages, um, you know, and they had the map of the known world. And then everything beyond which they knew, they wrote here be dragons, you know, like Ooga Booga, scary, yeah. scary. I don't know what's over there. Maybe don't go over there, you know. 
Um, and I, I completely agree with you that like when I was a young person, the idea of really anything over 40, I would say certainly anything over 50, it just was like the Midwest, you know, it was just flat as far, you know, monotonous, the same, you know, not a tree on the horizon. Um, and of course, once you, once you're above 40 and above 50, you know, all of these things are, you know, so different and exciting. And I think that, you know, I'm 57. I think the fifties, um, is it for women at least, I, I can't speak for men, but for women, I think it's a really exciting time because, um, you know, if you've had a career, you've probably hopefully gotten to a point in their career where you're having, achieving some success, or maybe you've gotten to that point or hit a dead end and you're like, I want to try something else. Or if you've been raising children, you're like, I want to go back to work or whether you've been working the whole time, if you've been raising children, generally by the time you're say my age, your children are, you know, on their way to being grown, if not grown. And you have a time to really turn back to yourself, um, and kind of check in and, and it's, and also, of course, for women, you know, their hormones are going crazy. And I think actually that's, I mean, it has lots of unfun parts, like, you know, the hot flashes are really not fun. But in terms of the kind of opening up emotionally, it is like an adolescence and it is something that forces you to return to yourself. Um, so I think it's a very exciting time and I'm very happy to be on a show that really looks at that. But in terms of your the second part of your question, you know, Miranda, Miranda is a great traveling companion. You know, she's, um, she's smart. She's game. She's loyal. She's opinionated. She's adventurous. She's, um, you know, she, she ages well, quite frankly, you know, there was a time when the show was first on, I mean, I didn't feel this way. I always thought she was fantastic, but I guess people, she's certainly the least glamorous of the four original women. And, uh, you know, she could be really strident and didactic, but if you look at where the culture has moved to, um, it's moved to pretty much where Miranda was standing. I mean, it was not that is such a good opinions, point. <laughs> it, was, it was her delivery, you know, that was sometimes, you know, made it easy to laugh at her or dismiss her or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I mean, she's, she's just, she's just aged well. And I, I love, I mean, it's one of the things I've always loved about our original show and our new show, which was that it's a, it's a deeply feminist show, but um, being feminist doesn't mean showing women being perfect, quite the opposite, you know, that equal, equal treatment and equal representation means we get to be warts and all, and we get to make bad choices and mess up and, you know, backtrack and, and learn. Um, so yeah. And, and it's, and it's been very exciting since, and just like that started, you know, that we actually come in with Miranda last season at a real kind of a, a low point personally, but a, a high point in terms of like chucking, um, corporate law and saying, I've, I've spent, you know, decades doing that and earning a big salary and competing with the boys and winning. And I look at the Vista up here and I don't want to be here and, and, you know, walking away from that. And then eventually 
walking away from her husband and her marriage. And, you know, that I, I think it's an, it's an amazing time in life where you, you definitely know you have more behind you than ahead of you, but you still have, God willing, a nice chunk of time to like, you know, not only have a, a second chapter, but a third and fourth and fifth and, you know, really make sure your life wasn't just one thing. You know, it makes me think about the term midlife crisis because, of course, that it's a very sort of derogatory, negative way to look at midlife. But actually, it's when you're facing the definite ending of something, meaning, you know, you're staring down the barrel of, of being older or, or you know, or mortality. Or dying, right? Yeah, mortality. It's, it's yeah. Like has more of a reality, right? Yeah. Yeah, you are galvanized. You're like, well, crap. What what matters? What really matters to me? What am I doing? And you know, it's not a crisis. It's it's a springboard because change only ever comes when you're really forced to do it. Yes. You know, you have to have a rocket underneath you to, you know, right. people don't change in a comfort zone. So it's really an interesting era to look at and I really value the show for looking at it yeah but I also think you know when you think of the midlife crisis when you think of the you know we generally talk of men having a midlife crisis or used to be I don't know if it's the same anymore but you know they would ditch their wife and they would find somebody 30 years younger and they would buy a red jaguar and they would you know whatever that it was this really desperate bid to do everything they could to feel young again and to feel like, oh, that life hasn't passed me by and I haven't missed it and I'm trying to go back to the beginning, right? But that's not the kind of, you know, that's like um, yeah. like crazy bandaging of truth, right? Stamping that's out so true. Truth. You're not pretending right? the, the to be of, something. The kind of crisis, right, that Miranda goes through is like, I'm unhappy, you know, what am I, what am I going to do? Um, and it's sort of the opposite, like, you know, she didn't, she didn't go out and dye her hair or whatever, you know, she actually went gray and she was like, you know, looking at her age, um, directly in the face. Yeah. What are some of the things that you may, as an executive producer this time, what are some of the things that you may be pushed back on or questioned or discussed, um, you know, the showrunner, Michael Patrick King, you've known him a long time too, and, and Darren Starr, uh, you've, you know, for as long as you've known Miranda. Uh, so right. what's that been like, those conversations and how much input and what specific input did you want this time? Well, I mean, it was not so much pushback. It was more of a conversation about if we did a sequel series what would we want and what would it look like? And I mean, I think number one for me is that it had always been such a white show and that it didn't, <laughs> did, I, I wasn't happy about that then, but certainly I was like, we cannot, we cannot go forward that way. And, and it wasn't like I was, you know, uh, bringing some message that nobody had heard before. I mean, everybody was in agreement, but I just wanted to really make sure. I said, you know, you keep telling me we're going to build a new house, but is it really a new house or am I going to 
show up and it's exactly the same house with like different furnishings. But it's he he built a totally new house. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, there were just some, you know, he was he really let us in on the creative process as he was dreaming about it. And we, you know, we said what we thought mostly about our own characters, you know, that uh, originally I think. Naya was going to have a romantic relationship with her professor, who who is now not her lover, but her great friend and confidant. Um, and I I wasn't crazy about that idea. I just thought she's already, you know, cheating on her husband, and like I don't want her like sleeping with her professor. That doesn't seem great, you know. And yeah. also, I knew that there was either going to be this butcher, non-binary person that Carrie had as her her boss at the podcast and I was like well that person sounds interesting why can't mm. Miranda fall in love with you know Carrie's boss or Carrie's co-worker and wouldn't that be you know a fun multi-layered thing to have happen yeah and it it turned out to be a great meet cute the way that um she calls her Rambo in the beginning yes she, Miranda's yes. just mad as hell at her but it's just a great scene when they meet um, you know, this sounds reductive, so I'm going to apologize in advance for it. But I do love the fact that when women get together, historically, lovers of the original show will say, which one are you? You know, of the four, right, right, which right. one are you? And it sounds reductive, but I actually find such comfort in the fact that pretty much anyone can relate to one of the characters at some point, somehow. Mm -hmm. There's something for everyone, mm -hmm. uh, you know, personality wise or reminiscences of life, whatever it may be. Um, and to that end, I have to ask you, which one are you? In well, real I'm, life? I'm definitely, I'm definitely a Miranda, definitely a Miranda, no <laughs> question. No I suppose question. if you were to say anything else, um, you know, fans everywhere <laughs> would fall over in a dead faint. But yeah. <laughs> Yes, definitely a Miranda. Um, tell me about how you feel about all the chit chat around Kim Cattrall, because I actually feel like we can finally lay that to rest because we know she's doing a cameo in season two. Does it feel good to just kind of get that done and not that be, that no longer be? Yeah, anything? I mean, we're so disappointed though that the that somebody leaked it because uh. so we just thought it would be such a great thing for for viewers to be sitting there watching and she would just pop up with no, with no warning. I mean, I think that was the thing that we were, we were super excited about, but, but. I didn't realize it had been accidentally leaked. That is really sad. Oh, we went, you cannot imagine all <laughs> of the, uh, the lengths we went to, to try and keep a secret. The covert sneaking in and uh, oh, our, our shooting. Our own crew didn't know, our own crew didn't even know. And, we would never oh. mention it on set and we would, yeah. yeah. We it just takes, it just takes one person, doesn't it? Yep. Oh, yep. so sad. Yeah. I would have loved that. But then, you know, when the press see the screen. Wouldn't that have been great? Yes. What's that? But, but the press get the screeners ahead of time and you know we're terrible at keeping our well, mouths shut. Well, but they shut. don't, you don't get all, right, you don't get all of that. No, I've, I haven't seen the, the Samantha bit yet. I've exactly. only got one to seven. So exactly. I'm, I, they're being withheld. <laughs> Do you hear me, HBO? <laughs> Give me the rest. Um, so what can you tease a little bit 
for Miranda's Trajectory season two? Well, so, you know, when we saw her at the end of season one, she had decided that she was going to sort of put all her eggs in the, in the love basket and follow Che out to Los Angeles where they were shooting a sitcom about their life, um, which was obviously an enormous opportunity for them. And, uh, you know, Miranda doesn't have much of experience of LA and she certainly doesn't have much experience sitting around being someone's girlfriend without a job or responsibilities or anything. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, for me, you know, again, without saying too much, she goes through all the usual things when someone who doesn't live in LA goes there for a period of time, right? It's so exciting. It's beautiful. The food is amazing. It's sunny. It's, you know, oh, I'm in my, you know, and the uh, people are crazy, and then the but of, you know, <laughs> and then the sense of unreality sets in. It's like, what, where am I? What am I doing here? You know? Yeah. I mean, who could forget Samantha's little sojourn to uh, California or when all the girls went and Carrie got the aggressive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she got the aggressive bikini wax and had the the pimple that would never go away. Right, and I I I I can't remember all the things that happened to me, but I do remember I I met up with an old friend, a male friend, and he chewed right? and food he, and spat it in a napkin. He chewed his steak <laughs> a few times to enjoy the sensation of it, and then spit it out because he was on some crazy, very strict diet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, it never gets old, that that episode. It's just yeah, brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, would you ever do another movie? I mean, you know, I they always ask these questions. Like, I never thought it was going to be anything past the series. So I, I, I've, I've given up trying to, to guess. Um, so who knows? You know, I trust Michael Patrick King. I trust... I trust the the women, um, you know, if we all got together and it seemed like there was a thing that justified a movie, sure. But do I think it's in the offing? I don't. But, you know, I've been wrong before, so who knows? You never know. Uh, let's get into the 20 questions portion all right. of the all podcast. Right. Do you remember when you first realized you wanted to do this job? Hmm. Well, so my mother, not offhand, but I, I, I guess I, I have a hard time remembering a time when I didn't. My mother had been an actress before I was born, and she majored in drama in college, and she went to Yale Drama School, and she studied with Uta Hagen, and she tried for a long time, but she really just didn't have any success, and then she gave it up, and then she had me. And uh, so it was still, if it was no longer her vocation, it was very much her avocation and her passion and her hobby and her delight. So that's what we would do. We would go to see old movies, new movies, Broadway plays, off-Broadway plays, Shakespeare in the Park. I mean, I, I went to see my first Shakespeare in the Park at six. Um, wow. It was Hamlet. It was starring Stacey wow. Peach as... Hamlet and James Earl Jones as Claudius and Colleen Dewhurst as uh, Gertrude. Um, what a cast. And you were six yeah. and it was Hamlet. I mean, yeah. that's an yeah. education. And I, uh, 
Yeah, and uh, you know, there, there's that scene where Claudius is first greeting Hamlet, you know, and uh, um, uh, I can't remember our our, our our nephew. I can't remember the line now. That's hilarious. But um, James Earl Jones said this very faux friendly thing to his nephew, now his son. And uh, apparently I turned to my mother in the audience and I said, he doesn't mean it. Like, oh, he's <laughs> pretending, right? And my mother was like, very good. That's right. Um, that is amazing. Okay. Yeah. And I so that. I feel like my entire education was like going to the theater and seeing great performances and my mother and I dissecting it afterward. So... I didn't start acting till I was about 11, 12, but at that time it seemed like we'd been holding me back for a really long time. And we were so <laughs> proud, truly, we were so proud of ourselves that we'd waited till I was like in the, at the age of reason and could actually take myself to audition because my mom worked and, you know, that I would take myself to my own auditions and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think I, my mother would have been perfectly happy um, if I had chosen to do something else, but I think it was, you know, it was, it was baked in from a very, very early age. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I love that. And you're a New Yorker born and bred, right? So you always had access to great. Yes. Theater. Always. Right. And it was mm. a wonderful, you know, it was like this, it was the seventies. It was the late seventies. And, uh, it was a really great time for child actors, you know, in, in, in L.A. too, but particularly in New York. And there was a kind of a, a realistic, you know, the, the films from the 70s, they, they're just a little more real. And a lot of them are in New York. And I don't know, there were great opportunities and, and on stage, yeah. of course, too. But What about the specific characters in books or films or television that you really felt resonated for you growing up? Oh my goodness. Uh, well, you know, I, um, I guess I loved, uh, Samantha on Bewitched. I oh really yeah. I really loved She did her. the twitch with her nose. I she think. did the twitch with her yeah. nose. I don't know why I loved her so much, but I, of course I love Mary Tyler Moore. And of course, mm. you know, um, Rhoda and you know what I mean I, I guess I loved all those women on TV and it was interesting um you know there were a lot of there were a lot of it's funny to think of it now the a lot of like in um Pride and Prejudice or or Little Women you know you have that one character who's obviously the stand-in for the author and she's sort of mixed about marriage and she's you know feisty and brainy and she always has a sister who's sort of nice and placid and pretty and, you know, and I really, I always felt bad that I felt like I was not Joe March, you know, uh, and I was not um, Elizabeth Bennett, that I was, you know, I was like the boring, sweet sister because I was a little more, um, I don't know, 
complacent. I don't know if that's the right word. I was like kind of a more of a get along person when I was a kid and a young, a young woman, you know, and I think Miranda taught me a lot of, um, sort of believing in my own opinions and, and standing up for myself more. That's really interesting. That's a, that's a great story about how we evolved and find ourselves through art. Actually. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. There's a wonderful movie called, um, the one true thing, which I don't know if you've ever saw that movie. It's terrific. And it's, um, Meryl Streep is dying of cancer and Renee Zellweger is her, is her daughter who comes home to try and help. And Renee Zellweger is a career woman and Meryl Streep is a total stay at home mom, homemaker, domestic goddess. And they actually have that conversation. And I was like, oh, my God, someone's finally talking about this. And Meryl Streep says she always felt like, you know, that she identified with, you know, with um, with Amy or with Meg or, you know, in Little Women or with, um, uh, I guess, Jane is, is Elizabeth's older sister. And that she she always felt like those feminist authors made her feel bad about that, you know, that they that Jane Austen wouldn't approve of her or, you know. That is so interesting that the only, yeah. you know, the only way we're allowed to feel valuable is to go against the grain. Can't we do anything we want and be valuable? Well, but I think if you think of them in context, like it was like, I'm, you yeah. know, at the time those, those books were written, a woman like that, a character like that was like water in the desert. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And I understand what you mean. It was an aspirational, wonderful thing. But but it's sad that it sort of made people feel like, well, if I'm not the the ballsy one that speaks up, then, oh, I'm this, you know, sad, defunct person. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. But, um, okay, what about the posters that you had on your childhood bedroom walls? Oh my goodness. I don't think I had any. I didn't have any. Were you in a family um, where you weren't allowed to stick stuff because it ruins no, the paint? No, no, no. Okay. Just, I've heard that one quite a lot. But. No, I mean, huh, I loved, um, I loved Batman and I loved Dracula. I guess Wonder Woman. I guess I had a lot hmm. of Wonder Woman in my room, a lot of pictures and statues and, and things like that. And I remember I was not a child at that point. I was, I think, 23, I want to say, or I don't know. I was like college age-ish. And I remember Jodie Foster was on the cover of um, the New York Times Magazine section. And it was a really cool shot of her, like three-quarter shot. Um, And she was at Yale at the time studying French. And it was said something, I can't remember what the headline you know, what was, but it was something very laudatory. And I, I did rip that off the cover and I did tape it to, I was out of town doing a play and I taped it to my condo wall because I was so, I always had such admiration and I'd sort of aspirational identification with Jodie Foster because I thought, Mm. you know, so many people, I won't, you know, so many, so many young actresses, that I came up with were, you know, were just acting, acting, acting and school fell by the wayside. And for Jodie Foster, it didn't. And Mm. that she could actually take four years off and go to college and that her career was waiting and bigger and better than ever when she, when she got back. 
Yeah, gosh, she's extraordinary. Um, when I was yeah. a little kid, I adored her because of Bugsy Malone. I don't know oh, if you ever saw yes. it. But and it's such I a weird did. it's Great. weird to think of it now. But They're also playing Alice these... doesn't live here anymore. She's so Oh yeah. She's yeah. genius. But yeah. I mean it's so Bugsy Malone is so wildly inappropriate now, but <laughs> yeah, but, but we put on that play in school. Crazy movie. Oh yeah. yeah, we we yeah. were all dressed up in feather boas and things in, in my high school <laughs> because of that play. But anyway, yeah. I digress. Um what about the first movie you ever saw in the theater? The first movie I ever saw in the movie theater, I think I was three. Wow. And I saw The Sound of Music. Yeah, it was The Sound of Music. And, Do you remember uh, that? Do you have clear memories of that age? I don't. I remember. I mean, my mother told me the story so many times. It was at Radio City. So it was, you know, big and beautiful and... Um, but, you know, it's a very long movie, The Sound of Music. It's like three hours plus. And uh, apparently, after the movie ended, I turned to my mother and I said, more? More? <laughs> so. Wow. When you were three. And I, I loved I loved Julie Andrews. I mean, I was obsessed with Julie Andrews. Between Mary Poppins and The Sound of Music, I mean, I was obsessed. Oh, yeah. She's magical. Gwen Beer and Camelot, you know, the whole thing, yeah. My Fair Lady, the the Broadway album, yeah. What is your idea of the perfect day? The perfect day. Um, I guess it would be a day that's very full, right? Um, it would it would have to definitely involve going to a show. It would involve going out to a wonderful meal. Um. I have wonderful days with just my wife, but I also have wonderful days with the whole family together. And um, I guess I would love, I, I, I guess it would include a gathering of my, my dearest and oldest friends. Um, you know, it's so, it's so, a lot of my friends are from, from junior high and high school. And um, so it's really when we get together, I mean, we've known each other for, I can't even do the math, how many years that is. Um, um, but, but yeah. And I guess, a, I guess a, a day in which I accomplish a lot, you know? Hmm. Hmm. It's great that you're friends with people from junior high still. I don't think most people could say that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And some of those people, you know, we all got together in junior high, but some of those people I knew from, before from kindergarten and even beyond it's extraordinary yeah. I don't think I know anyone from that era anymore um well what when, about... you, when you stay in the same place you know ah and well place yeah you know yeah. yeah yeah that's a good point um what advice would you give your younger self um I guess the advice that I would give is that don't be afraid to try things because you're afraid you will fail and embarrass yourself mm. because you might embarrass yourself, but if you, you should try and get good at embarrassing yourself um, so that it's not, um, it doesn't, it's not such a repellent uh, experience sensation because I 
feel that, of course, it's nice to win and it's nice to succeed and it's nice to get an A. But um, when you really try and do something that's out of your comfort zone, um, even if you really fail, you actually really grow from it. And you don't really you don't really grow from success. Do you know what I mean? Um, I do. Your confidence may grow. Your confidence may grow. Your bank account may grow. Um, But it's, um, yeah, it's... uh, It's similar to what we were talking about with the challenge of of realizing you're more than halfway through your life. mm -hmm. It's, you know, change doesn't happen unless you feel right right exactly what you were saying before about you have to be in a crisis to change because nobody wants to change everybody wants to just keep doing the same thing and you know and getting the getting the getting the doggy treat i can do this trick and now i'm gonna treat yeah yeah. getting the doggy treat that's good um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i um I suppose that leads me to my next one, which is, is there something big that you wish you'd done, but you haven't done it yet? Hmm. I don't think so. Well, I mean, this is maybe a silly thing to say, but I, I hope to be a grandmother someday. I haven't done it yet. I don't have much control over it. <laughs> I haven't done that yet and I am really excited to do it. Um but other than that not particularly. I mean, I'm not a person who makes a lot of you know blueprints for my life. And so uh, you know I so so I don't ha- I I don't have I never have had a lot of goals for myself. I mean, my goal, if I can remember it when I was a young, young person was to make my living as an actor and to live in New York city and to be a mother. I mean, those were my, it didn't didn't get any sort of bigger (laughs) or more complicated than that. It's pretty simple. Turns out Um, you achieved all of that. So yeah, I did. I did. Mm. Yeah, but I'm not destined to like fly a plane or, you know, (laughs) go to the moon or deep sea dive or hang glide or, you know. What about direct direct a big feature film? What about that? Oh, I don't think, I mean, I think I'm really grateful. Like, I can tell you I've been wanting to, to be a director for a long, long time. And then mm-hmm. I, and you, you directed know, on the season, yeah. And I directed right, and first I directed a number of plays, and you know, I, my friend Scott Elliott, who's a wonderful director and artistic director of a theater in New York, the New Group, he was the one who pushed me out of the nest, and by giving me the opportunity, and I was terrified out of my mind, and I did it, and it was great, you know. And then the same thing with Michael Patrick King and Sarah Jessica; they were like, "We want to do this show, and what we want you to direct on it." So, mm. um. You know, one step at a time. I've never even on film directed anything that wasn't my own show. So <laughs> directing a show that I'm not on, maybe that would be the next step. A feature film, I don't I don't think. I mean, You know, knows? that's funny because actors that I interview who 
dire have directed both without themselves starring and with say how much harder it is to direct when you're also wearing another hat starring in it so you've already done mm -hmm. the, the really hard stuff I feel like most people consider it the other way around you know well I mean the thing about I don't know the thing about directing your own show is that you're on the home team do you know what I mean? Okay, I get so that. People, you know everybody. They hopefully like you. They hopefully admire you, and they're gonna. You're gonna have to go pretty far in the wrong direction for them to be like, "I don't want to take direction from you." Who are you know? Yeah, um, <laughs> that's the whereas, nightmare. Whereas you know, you walk yeah. on. You know, you walk onto a, a a set that's not your set. You know. Hopefully your reputation precedes you and maybe they've seen you in things, but, um, so you're, you're starting with an advantage, but you know, it could go, it, it could go either way, you know? I see what you mean. I do. Well, what about your dream dinner companion, living or dead? <laughs> My dream living companion, din living or dead. Dinner companion. I mean, I think it would, ha it would have to be Shakespeare, right? I think it would have to be. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I, you know, I think about it, I, I, you know, Shakespeare, Harriet Tubman, I guess, mm -hmm. would be my top two. I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm obviously a lot closer to Harriet Tubman and I feel like I could talk to her. I don't even know, you know, can I, could I speak to Shakespeare? Would he even understand What did, I yeah, know? I mean, did he's, I think he's spoken a very strange, yeah, I don't know if I'd understand the word. I mean, I had a hard enough time understanding the prose in school, so, but that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You understood but it when I, you, you know, were but six. There's so, but there's so many, mis but there's so many mysteries about Shakespeare. And like, you could yeah. ask him, did you really write it? Did somebody else write it? You know, did you love your wife or not? You know, like so many And then many the thing questions. about his son called Hamnet, not Hamlet. Hamlet right, yeah. Right. Yeah. inspiration for Hamlet. I mean. You're right. And it would be fun to, you know, I mean, it would be fun also to, you know, be able to tell those, either of those people about, you know, what the world is like now in ways that come from them. And oh, yeah. how, how much they are remembered and how enormously they change things. That's really true. That would be really gratifying to be able to deliver that message. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about your desert island movies or TV shows? And I have to say oh. that one of mine is Sex in the City. Because if you're thinking, <laughs> oh, it has to be something that you know, it's evergreen in some way. Like, it, it, you know, you have a relationship with it and you can watch it over and over again. Right. Um, I could only pick one or I could pick a okay. few. You can pick as many as, as you like. And imagine right. there's also Wi-Fi and electricity on this desert island. So don't worry about <laughs> <Okay>. whether it's <laughs> on VHS or something. Right. I mean, the, I guess maybe because Glenda Jackson just died, the mm. Elizabeth one, you know, m m TV series comes to mind. Um, um, I loved um, The Prisoner. Do you know that old mm. show? From yeah. The I feel like that would be a fun, crazy thing to have with you. 
That's a good one. Yeah, mm. I, yeah. Um, and my favorite, my favorite movie of all time is the Taking of Pelham One Two Three. Really, um, but also yeah, I the old one, not the the new mm. one is fine, but whatever. Um, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love the Taking of Pelham One Two Three. It's my favorite movie. And then also, I guess right up there would be the Judy Garland Star Is Born. Oh. Love that so, so mm-hmm. much. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, last one. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I mean, I think I would just live in New York, right? I knew you were going to say that. You're such a New Yorker. <laughs> and I totally get it. I love New York. It's such a great city. Yes, if I could live anywhere in in the world, I would live in New York. I mean, maybe I could try and answer if you told me I couldn't live in New York. Well, okay. What if we took? What if you weren't allowed a repeat performance and you had to pick a new place? <laughs> God, I mean, I really I went to Copenhagen some years ago and I really loved it. Oh, it's magical. Really, really loved it. Mm. Mm-hmm. But then I would have to learn to speak Danish, and I don't think I would be up to the task. You never but, know. You might be. You might discover a yeah. magical language talent. <laughs> Anything's possible, right? Thank you so much, Cynthia Nixon, for being a wonderful guest on 20 Questions on Deadline. And without spoiling anything, I want to say everybody needs to watch season two even just like that because it's juicy right <laughs> it is it is, it is. <laughs> well thank you Antonio such a such a pleasure talking to you love talking to you too take care have a great rest of your All day right. thanks for listening to 20 questions on deadline for more episodes subscribe on spotify or apple podcasts hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.